Once upon a time, there were millions of businesses struggling. Every day they wasted time, effort and money on repetitive tasks that added no value. One day, the Better Automation podcast by Processio came to help them find the way. Because of this, these businesses save time, reduce costs, innovate, and make better decisions because of that. These businesses grow, prosper, scale, and use human creativity to change this world. Hello, my name is Aziz, and I'm your host at Better Automation Podcast by Processio, where I interview the world's top experts and share their very best ideas on how to improve automation in your business processes and life. My guest today is Christian Barra. Christian is a developer turned founder. He is in love with automation and on a mission to demystify technology for a broader audience. Currently, Christian is building Treasure Base, handling accounts payable and receivable for high volume B2B companies and Epic Cheat, add an API and SQL superpowers to spreadsheets. Christian, how are you today? Hi, um, feeling pretty good today. Thank you. I'm honored. I'm privileged. And to begin in a very, very basic way that is useful to everyone who might not know what it is, everybody's hearing low code, no code and all that. If you were to explain low code, to a business that is interested in digital transformation and automation, what would you say? Uh, that's a really good question. Well, let's say that um, you're trying to bring some digital innovation inside your company. One of the ways in which you could do that is by hiring developers or people there somehow are used to work with low level technologies, programming languages and sort of things. But well, they're expensive and they're really on demand right now so maybe it's not a good option another good option is just to use a software that will just simplify the kind of automation that you want to implement so that's um, probably a good definition for low code or um, kind of software or use cases thank you and i'll play the devil's advocate a little bit where business users or those who are interested in digital transformation and they want to use developers or low code, what they will say, look, low code is not for anybody. You need a developer in order to use it. So like, what's the big deal about it? I don't care what tools they'll be using the developers as long as they will be able to give me the results I want. So <laughs> what would be your comment on this? Uh... I mean, no code or low code, they're not just for, let's call them like non-technical people. But uh, I mean, they're also super useful for technical people just to speed up the development process. Because uh, even if you're a developer, like writing code it still requires a lot of time. Um, so it's just really something that I would recommend for any kind of company, whether you yeah. have developers or not. Yes, uh, I was speaking with someone who was uh, speaking about the power of low code in a more strategic and big picture way, where he was saying we're moving into a world where you need to constantly innovate in order to survive even in the marketplace. And this constant innovation can happen every day where you're required to adapt to the new trends, to the different desires of the people. 
to the way that the customers, their brains are reprogrammed for instant gratification and fast things. And therefore you need a solution like with no code or no code so that you get feedback from the marketplace on what is working and what is not and implemented into your software or business model almost instantly. And that's the power that, uh, you know, compared to doing the code manually that can take longer, you need to be constantly adapting. Do you agree with this? Because someone, Ian, when I asked him about this, he said, well, if this happens, I'll just retire because it sounds so stressful. <laughs> While other people said, this is the future we're going towards to anyway. So what's your perspective on this? Uh, I mean, I agree that is this is a future that we are going anyway. Uh, like the, the barrier of, of technologies, they're just lowering, but they are still there. And I mean, every company somehow is going to be a tech company, whether we like it or not. So uh, that that kind of technical literacy is going to be needed, whether you like it or not. Like, um, I mean, if you want to sell something now, you need to sell online because that's what the user expects. Um, if you accept payments, you are somehow like accepting credit cards, whether online or on your physical store, it's they are all required. Like you, you cannot escape that, uh, whatever you want to call it, the technical requirements or like the future in that sense. Thank you. And you mentioned the power of low code and no code for tech people and non-tech people. Some people actually say it's not really that powerful or useful for non-tech people because non-tech people will create bloated software. The databases will be too slow. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand the logic of creating an app. And therefore all that you're creating is something that is useful for developers who want to speed up the process of their work while the citizen developer dream is just a dream. <laughs> Do you think this is true or what's your thought on this? No, I don't think that's, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I don't agree with that. Uh, I mean, first of all, I, I think also developers, they're going to build up like a slow uh, database of application. I mean, it's, it's not just a matter of knowledge. It's also a matter of knowledge about the thing that you want to build. So sometimes it doesn't make any sense to spend six months waiting to, to build the, the perfect software just because you don't know what you're supposed to build. And using the software or solution that can just speed up this process, uh, it's, it's absolutely invaluable. Thank you. Another thing that I noticed, and I know you want to say something, but you're a developer, you're turned a founder who's helping creating no code solutions or with a little bit of code or whatever. What I spoke to multiple people, what they say and their blame or the gripe or whatever on hiring developers, is that they create projects that end up with too many features that are useless with things that go out of scope and they end up spending too much money on, uh, on projects that are not really useful to them. One of them was Chad, who's rebuilding all the software in his business using no code because what he said, we will focus specifically on what we need. So when we need something, we can easily build it. And the people who will be building it are the business people or the people who understand how the business is working. And therefore, they streamline their processes. They end up with software that is lean and useful, while developers who might not understand the business 
will create a big Frankenstein monster that is hard to use and has too many features that are useless. Do you think this is the reality? Is this correct? And if so, what's your perspective on it? I mean, I think it's it's, uh, it's the reality many companies, if you detach of if you put too much distance between the development of your products and business, then uh, like the developers will just, they do what they're supposed to do, which is build, uh, whether they build something useful or not. Um, so, I mean, I think that's uh, like a management problem. Um, and sure, I mean, you can avoid this problem by using like SaaS solution, whether they are low code or no code. But sooner or later, especially if your company is growing, you, you need to integrate uh, whatever you're running with custom solutions. So, I mean, you're maybe sidestepping the problem at the beginning. Okay, I don't want to deal with developers, but sooner or later it's something you need to have. Some people, though, will disagree because they're saying that no code and local solutions are moving in a way where literally at some point they will be able to replace the need for writing code manually in any way that they're not there yet today, but in the future they can get there. Do you agree or do you think really it's just a myth or a, a branding or a marketing idea, but in reality, it's not the truth? I mean, it could be, who knows? Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, right now you have AI that can generate some our code so it can write more or less like a developer, but even in, even if in the future, like the no code or low code tools to kind of get better, you still need developers to write these tools. <laughs> I understand what you mean. That's really well said. One yeah. of your goals that you're working on is demystifying technology for a broader audience. Why is that important to you? And is it easy or is it really challenging? Uh, well, that's a really good question. Um, so for me, it's really important because to now, today you're reading, I mean, writing code or using technology properly. It's like, or was like reading and writing like 50 or 100 years ago. So it's it's really fundamental. Otherwise, we're gonna have a big group of people that is you know, just it's just gonna being kept out from innovation and, and a lot of positive things that technology can bring. So it's really important to try to explain and try to bring as many people as possible inside the, the innovation that technology can bring. So they need to become not just users not just consumers, but I mean, creator or like user, proper users of technology in, in a more general sense. Thank you. And I will play the devil's advocate a little bit by saying, look, in the no-code community or many developers, they create projects and tools that the business use case is not there. They just think it's cool or they want their own version of something that already exists in the marketplace which means it's not competitive. So some people will go the extra mile and say that technology skills are not really valuable. They're just a tool. It's the skill to find the pain in the marketplace and to figure out the idea that is the rare skill that is worth everything. And therefore, if people have to choose, they should spend more time market researching, uh, learning about business, about um, positioning business models and all that. And you can hire any time developers for much cheaper than you'd, uh, you know, it will cost you if you'll build something that will literally uh, get you bankrupt in the marketplace. What do you think about this? Well, I think it's a really hard trade-off for balance that you need to do. 
I was watching a video, I think the other day from the founder of Suster, I think it's, his name is Jason Lemkin. And he was saying like, um, if your company has a CEO and he's not a technical guy or a technical goal, I'm not gonna fund it. And the reason is like the bar right now to build any kind of product is so high on the technical uh, perspective that you either are technical or you need to become technical. And I mean, it doesn't mean that you need to be a developer, but you need to truly understand technology. Um, so sure, I mean, learning about marketing and talking to your customers, I think it's fundamental, but uh, you, you also need to know and use technology properly. It's not something you can outsource. Thank you. And another thing, which is somewhat known within the marketplace that many companies uh, you know, founders and startups and entrepreneurs, they're pioneers, they love new shiny things, new exciting things. And what happens is they will get so many tools, they will use, I don't know, Epic Sheet, they will use uh, Tableau, they will use uh, everything that they have. And they end up with a stack that is full of tools, and they're not using any of them that well, because they're excited about like the next thing, and they don't want to spend that time, you know, the difference in personality between a starter and someone who finishes projects. Do you, do you think there is a benefit to this or is the marketplace going to move? I will ask it specifically. Do you believe that the marketplace will continue to provide for this where there'll be more choices about very specific niche needs or that in the future people will just run out of money and they will think I want one tool that does everything because I cannot afford the monthly subscription for a thousand things. I mean, I think that after a period of expansion, there's always a period of consolidation. I mean, you can see this in different like sector of the market, whether it's marketing tools or automation in other sectors. So, um, so yeah, there is always an explosion of new tools, especially when somehow technology is pushing that direction, like simplify, like no, no code or low code platform. Um, but at, I mean, at the same time, you're trying to use them because they have some value to, I mean, sure, trying and the, the shiny thing syndrome is always there, but at the same time, you should get something back, not just trying new tools. Thank you. And you're a founder, you're putting like your investment and your effort into creating no code tools and entering the market space. There is this economical thought or a way for entrepreneur in entrepreneurial science to choose a niche, which is to think, is there one company that is able to exceed a billion dollars within that niche? If not, then it's not a good niche. It's too fragmented and there are not like big winners. And if you look, you look at no code and low code, there is not like one company. Okay, there are big brand names, but there isn't one company that is like a Tesla or uh, Microsoft or uh, anything like that. So when judging by the no code, low code marketplace, is it still in the hobby, hobby stage where uh, the companies are still maturing or maybe it won't even grow further than what it already arrived to? Or do you see this is just the first steps and in the future with people like you demystifying technology, the market will grow so big that every person can become a citizen developer who has the fundamental understandings of technology to build something with all the tools? Um. 
I think that, I mean, the way in which you evaluate the market right now, um, and you like, the, I don't know, the, the total addressable market, uh, it's probably different for uh, like new platform, like low code and no code platform specifically, just because you can bring a lot of users that until now they were just outside. So, I mean, if you, if you think about no code, low platform, I mean, your, your time, your total addressable market is probably all the Excel users, because anyway, they're doing some sort of automations there. Um, so, I mean, the market is pretty big and then you can niche down, but um, I mean, any kind of user using a computer, a laptop, probably if it works with the computer as well, it needs some sort of automation. Um, so I, I think the platform will just get bigger. Uh, maybe there's gonna be some consolidation, but uh, I don't think that the market is small, it's probably growing, just, uh, just getting bigger. And again, you don't need to be a developer or you need to, be, to come from a developer background. But if you think about sales department or finance department, I mean, they're entirely built on technology. They, they couldn't do what they do right now without technology. And they are just more demanding because their technology is just increasing it. So they want to do more. But um, yeah. So. Thank you. And I'm sure this will be instructive to the viewers, and I'm really curious about it personally. How did you come up with the idea for Trezor Base and for Epic Sheet? What's the story? Oh, yeah. So the story behind Trezor Base, which is our main project right now, was uh, we just started having conversation with customers, trying to understand their pain points. And the, one of the common answers that we heard from them was, I mean, we, we have a lot of consumption, joint speaking, we, like we, we have requirements because we need to run the company. So we need to get invoices, we need to pay invoices and all these sort of things. We have technical solutions, they just don't work well. So yeah, I mean, we will consider, I mean, we have a status quo that works more or less, but we are looking for something different. And the other curious thing was, um, I mean, finance people, they're probably closest, like the cousins of developers because they, they do a lot of automation. They work with SQL. They, somehow they need to know SQL. Um, I, I met like finance managers that they were coding just because they, wanna, they wanted to automate a lot of things. So for them, like the barrier is already pretty low. They just need the better tools with probably uh, where they can have more freedom. So that's, that's pretty much the, the story behind Treasure Base. And the story behind Epic Sheet is, uh, I mean, a lot of the biggest companies and not just big, they, they run on spreadsheet. And it's, it's a super powerful tool, but if you compare it to what you can do as a developer with a programming language, then they, they, they I mean, spreadsheet, they just could, they cannot stand the, the comparison. But if you had a few like features to a spreadsheet, if you like make the spreadsheet epic, uh, then there are a lot of things that you can do. I mean, you can build API, you can put data directly inside spreadsheet as you prefer. I mean, you, you can connect and automate a lot of things, just if you had a, a few more things that currently are missing. And people are, uh, I mean, the, the literacy about Excel or spreadsheet, it's, I don't know, 90% of the population. So again, number of users that might require this, this sort of things is pretty, pretty, pretty big. So that's why that's how we decided to, to build this, this two different things. 
Thank you. I love your comment about finance people and how they're the closest to developers and all that. So I'll have to ask you, because also in entrepreneurship or the advice to no coders who want to create something is telling them, choose a market that you already know, because you will know the problems, you will understand the people and all that, but you are not a finance person. So do you believe it's better to go into a niche that you don't know so that you have fresh eyes and you see the assumptions that everybody is unaware of because you're not part of the market and therefore you can have an innovative perspective or for new founders you recommend to stick to a hobby or something that they already know a lot about so that they understand the market well uh, that's a very good question uh, and I, I do have a kind of opinion so i think that uh, you, you might be lucky and whatever you're focusing on is going to be successful um, whether because you build something for you or because you hit the right idea at the right time but um, if that doesn't work the only solution that you have is to get to know your customers whatever they are and build something that is useful for them and if you're not lucky that's the only way which and at the end means spending time with your customers so i think that the only requirement that you really have is to love your customers because you're going to spend a lot of time with them so uh, you, i don't think you need to have previous knowledge and uh, also because when you start building something then after six months you're probably going to build a different solution for the problem that initially you, you thought you had um so as, as many other people probably said before i mean like i mean don't fall in love with the problem because you're probably going to discover something new but you need to love spending time with your customer because that's going to be there uh, whether it's going to be the rest of your life, whether you're going to sell your company in a couple of years, but you, you need anyways to spend a lot of time with them. So I don't think that having previous knowledge is fundamental, but you need to be ready to, to really spend a lot of time with them. Thank you. And so since you're demystifying technology for normal people, how do you demystify humans to technical founders or developers who, even if they spend time with people, they might think about it from a logical sense, while humans are very emotional animals. And therefore, even if they spend time, get to know them or love them, they might bring a logical solution to a logical problem that doesn't resonate with anybody because humans respond to emotions. So to you, what to look for? Let's say someone is a, techno a technological kind of founder, they spend all day coding, so they're training their brain to be in that logical mode, in order to fall in love with humanity, in order to understand humanity, and demystify people to them. I mean, if you're a funder, probably, uh, I mean, maybe you want to get rich, and that, that's a problem. That, that's, that, that's okay. But probably another good reason to become a funder is because you want to be helpful and um, help someone else fix a problem. Um, so I think there is already a lot of humanity in like funders and especially in technical people. Um, they just need to be more open. And yeah, but even, even if they're, they feel weird about getting connected to people, having like random conversation with people about problems, I think that's something that you just need to start and uh, it's going to get better over time. Um, but yeah, like okay. don't, don't be afraid to, you know, leave your office or leave your desk. 
or use Zoom? <laughs> I'll ask you one final question, and I'm curious about it because a lot of the founders come into the space with this imaginary idea about the importance of getting VC funding, VC money, while experienced entrepreneurs will say, if you deal with VCs, you won't really end up with much money or control over your company, but at least you'll build the reputation so that your second uh, startup will be like, will bring you some money. While others will say, I will never ever deal with VC money because I want to have control, creative control over everything. I can bootstrap and let the startup fund itself, especially now where it seems um, because of the possible recession, a lot of VCs are not writing as many checks as they used to. And before that also they invested in too many startups that they shouldn't have invested in, but everybody was excited. So what's, what's your thought on this? Uh, I mean, if, if you look at the recent IPO, some, I, I guess it's, some of them were really bumped and VC were pretty much like drunk. But I mean, that's, that's the market. But um, I mean, from my perspective, uh, VC capital is, is like a tool. You need, just need to understand whether it's the right tool for you or not. It could be expensive because you're gonna take a chunk of your company. But depending on the company you're trying to build, maybe it's the only option if you don't have any other way of funding yourself. But I mean, especially right now, uh, I mean, my case is different because we are both like both technical co-founders. So, I mean, we don't have to pay someone else to build a company. But yeah, I mean, there are so many different options right now. So uh, again, VC, uh, I, I think that VC capital, I mean, the VC in general, they, it's important, but not about the money. Like if I, ever consider getting VC money is not because of the money itself but it's, it's more about the group of people I can get in touch with uh, mentorships access to other companies uh, because probably they are board members of other companies so I think this is much more valuable than just money itself and um, so yeah we'll just be really careful about getting money and I mean like like you mentioned illusions is a big problem um, so until probably you have market fit or you're making money, so you're not dependent to, uh, on VC money to survive, uh, I, I just wait for that. Thank you, Christian. This was really a wonderful conversation. It was my privilege and my honor. And if viewers want to get in touch with you to learn about your projects, to know where you are, can you share some links, some information, and I'll make sure to write some of them in the description. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the best way to get in touch with me is using uh, either Twitter. Um, I think they can find my handle in, in the chat or on LinkedIn. So I will be happy to connect with other founders or, you know, uh, people in tech or, yeah, any listener. Thank you. And for all the viewers, of course, I recommend to reach their goals of being a, a non-tech founder or even a tech founder is Processio. Processio is the modern low-code, no-code platform for advanced automation and creating an enterprise-grade backend for your software. Any viewer can request access to a totally free account at Processio.app. And for those with higher needs, who want to upgrade, there is a very generous offer of 50% off if you use the code BETTER50OFF, one word in capital letters, more information in the description. Thank you again, Christian. This was 
my privilege and keep going and keep building. Thank you. My pleasure as well. Have a nice one. 